Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In Genesis 25, reading from verse number 29, the Bible tells us, Now Jacob cooked a stew. And Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell your birthright to me as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day, So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentil. And he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Many of us are very familiar with this story. Many of us know this passage of scripture because we've heard it over and over as to how Jacob was able to get what belonged to his brother. But from the passage of scripture that we have read, we see that the Bible tells us that we see how Esau was hungry after being out in the field. The Bible says Jacob cooked his stew and Esau came in from the field and he was hungry. Esau's hunger, we saw it there. Number two, we saw Esau's desperate plea for food. Because of his hunger, he was desperate. He started asking his brother, can you please give me something to eat? And also we see the unusual request, the unusual demand that Jacob made on his brother. I mean, you are asking for food. And the guy is saying, sell me your birthright. What is the correlation between the two? But because this guy wasn't paying attention, we see from the passage of scripture, Jacob's unusual demand, the very high price, the expensive price that he placed on a bowl of stew that he was about to give his brother Esau. And then number four, we saw Esau's disregard for the price possession that the Lord had given unto him. Here was a man who was supposed to be the first brother. But because he was hungry, he was willing to let go of that position and give it to his brother because he wanted to satisfy the appetite for food at that point in time. So we see Esau's disregard for the prized possession that God had given unto him. And then finally we see Esau's unfortunate exchange of his birthright for a bowl of stew. The Bible tells us that Jacob says, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau, in exchange for the birthright, he gave Esau bread and stew of lentil. And then the guy drank, and everything was happy. The unfortunate thing that you see in that verse of the scripture was that after Esau sold his birthright, Esau, for some reason, did not understand the implication of what he had done. He did not understand the gravity of what he had done. Esau did not fully realize the kind of damage that he had done to his own destiny. That he had done to his own life. And when the time now came for him to access the blessing that was rightfully his. That was when he began to understand the mistake that he had made. In chapter 27 
of Genesis, reading from verse number 30, the Bible says, and it now happened. That is, Isaac was getting ready to die. Isaac had told his sons, prepare something for me so that I can bless you with the blessings of my father. I can release unto you the blessings of Abraham. So in verse number 30, he said, now it happened. As soon as Isaac finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. And he had made a savory food and brought it to his father and said to him, let my father arise and eat his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? That definitely must have shook Esau to his core. He said, who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn son, Esau. In case you don't know, I am the right guy. I am the one who is supposed to be getting this blessing. Then his father trembled exceedingly and said, Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came. And I had blessed him, and indeed, he shall be blessed. All of a sudden, Esau realized that the trick that Jacob played on him, this is the actual price of that particular thing. And so the Bible tells us in verse number 34, when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, my father, me also, oh my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and had taken away your blessing. What he did in that moment of weakness, what he exchanged for a bowl of soup, eventually was something that was the most prized. And the Bible tells us in that verse number 34, he said, and Esau heard the word of his father, he cried with exceedingly great and bitter cry. Because he now realized that because he did not restrain his appetite, he had given up. The thing that he most prized, the blessings of the father, the blessing that belonged to the firstborn. It was at this point that Esau realized the enormity of his foolishness, of his foolish mistake. And commenting on that story, if you get to the New Testament, the New Testament writer of the book of Hebrews now tells us, he warned us as believers. He said in Hebrews chapter 12, if you read from verse 14, he said, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. He said, looking carefully, lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness bring up, cause you trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Now look at verse number 16. He said, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthrights. And now verse number 17. He said, for you know that afterwards, after he had sold the birthright for that bowl of soup, for you know afterward, when he had wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. In other words, that thing that was his prized possession, when he carelessly gave it away because he could not restrain his appetite, the Bible said that he sought it diligently, but it's already gone. In other words, the writer of Hebrew is trying to tell the believers, he's saying, watch and control your appetites. That's basically what he's saying. And why is he telling us to watch and control our appetite? The reason is because there are those who want what you have and they will do everything possible to take it. There are people who are interested in the thing that God has deposited in your life. The blessings that God has given unto you. The salvation of your soul. The eternal destiny that God has promised you. There are things, there are powers that are interested in those things. Unless you watch and control your appetite, you may end up losing 
that particular battery. There are people who want your battery. That's why you have to control your appetite. Number two, why is the writer of Hebrew telling us to control our appetite and to watch our appetite? The reason is because when you have uncontrolled appetite, it exposes you and makes you vulnerable. That's what happened to Esau. Esau was exposed because he was hungry. Esau became vulnerable because of his hunger. But because he has not learned how to control and manage his appetite, he became exposed to the tricks of Jacob. And finally, the writer of Hebrew is telling us, control your appetite. Watch your appetite. Make sure you put it on the leash so that it doesn't control you. He's telling us because unrestrained appetite to be very, very costly. When you eat anyhow, when you cannot restrain your appetite, at the end of the day, you are going to pay a very, very high price for what you think is just eating. Esau found it out in a very, very difficult way. Unrestrained appetite, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, is a very, very costly thing. By birth, Esau was a man who was destined to inherit the blessings of Abraham. That was his place. He was the number one child. And by tradition, by virtue of being the firstborn, he was the person who was supposed to carry the blessings of Abraham. He was supposed to be the one to carry on the Abrahamic covenant. But because of his carelessness, because of his unrestrained appetites, because of his lack of discipline in the area of food, he lost the blessing that the Lord Almighty had written concerning him. But for some reason, he lost it. Esau lost the blessing of the firstborn because he lacked the discipline that is required to be able to maintain it. Now, before we start talking about Esau and say Esau was a guy, he did this, he did that, before we start passing judgment or looking down on Esau, the question we need to ask ourselves is that how many times have we sold our own birthright to the devil because we could not hold on to what is going on into our stomach? How many times? How many times have we let the enemy win the battle in the area of our children, in the area of marriage, in the area of the blessings of God of our life? How many blessings have we lost because we are not able to hold on to our appetite because we sold it for a muscle of food? How many times? How many of God's blessings have we lost due to lack of discipline? How many times? How many of those blessings have we lost? Yes, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. But the unfortunate thing is that many have sold their own birthright to heaven. Many are still selling their birthright because of a bowl of soup on a daily basis. And the Lord is telling us, if you cannot restrain your appetite, it's going to cost you a lot. The discipline of fasting. Spiritual discipline that every believer must be involved in. But before we go any further, we need to understand this thing that we call fasting. So what is this thing that we call fasting? What is it? Now, before we define it, I want you to understand, there is nowhere in the Bible where it says, thou must fast. No. There is no direct command. But we see the principle of fasting and the practice of fasting in the Old and in the New Testaments. In Matthew chapter 6, Reading from verse number 16, when Jesus was teaching on the principles of godly living, Jesus Christ said, when you fast. And that means that you are going to fast. If Jesus made it an optional thing, he would have said, if you fast. But he said, no, when you fast, which means a time will come, you will have to fast. It is a practice that a believer must be involved in. So, the statement from the Lord Jesus Christ indicates that fasting is supposed to be the regular practice of those who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me surprise you also. Do you know that the devil also fasts? And his people too, they fast. 
If they want their diabolic power, you will be surprised at what they do. There was a testimony of a guy who's fasted 201 days. 201 days to be able to get the power to do some real satanic stuff. If somebody who is not a believer is fasting 201, and you yourself, you are going to go for the same business that that person has fasted for, or you are looking for the same job that that person is looking for, or you want to do the same business that that person is doing, guess who is going to get it? 201 is going to get it. That is why it's not a suggestion. It is something that is expected of a believer that you, when you fast, that's what Jesus Christ said. So, what exactly is this thing called fasting? Matthew chapter 4, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness and to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. Now, from this verse of the scripture, we see that Jesus himself engaged in the discipline of fasting. So he wasn't just telling people to do what he was not going to do. The Bible said that he did it himself. He went 40 days. And the Bible tells us that he fasted that 40 days and 40 after which he became hungry. Which means that fasting is the deliberate abstinence. The deliberate foregoing of physical food for the period of time to achieve a specific spiritual goal. That is what fasting is all about. Fasting is not for the purpose of losing weight. It's good to do it. You can lose weight. But that's not the purpose that God gave fasting in the Bible. Biblical fasting is the deliberate abstinence from food for a period of time to achieve a specific, greater spiritual goal. Biblical fasting is intentionally denying the flesh in order for your spirit to access the treasures of heaven. Biblical fasting is renouncing the natural order in order to access spiritual blessings. It is saying no to yourself and yes to God. That's what fasting is all about. And we must understand that fasting is something that the Lord Almighty uses to be able to teach believers self-restraint. Are you disciplined enough to say, okay, I'm willing to restrain the urge to eat. Fasting is, is intended for self-restraint, for self-control, and to develop endurance in the life of a believer. That's what fasting is all about. Fasting is to develop self-discipline. So that the things that are supposed to be for your good, you can access it. A person who is not self-disciplined will find success very, very elusive. You will not be able to get to where you are supposed to get to if you are not disciplined. A student who is not disciplined in study will not be able to achieve the best results in school. So fasting is intended for self-discipline, for endurance, for self-control, and for self-restraint. But why do you need to fast? Why do you need to restrain your flesh? Why do you need to discipline yourself? What is the purpose of fasting in the life of a believer? Number one, the purpose of fasting is to be able to strengthen your relationship with the Almighty God. Because the more you release yourself, the more you endure, the more you limit the appetite of the body, what happens is that your spirit is lifted up and you are able to focus on the Almighty. So it strengthens relationship. That's why we fast. Number two, we fast so that we can strengthen and enhance our prayer life. There's a difference between the prayer that you pray with your tummy full of mac and cheese and the prayer that you pray with nothing in the stomach. Two different things. And that's why when you fast, it strengthens and it enhances your prayer life. Number three, we fast so that we can receive guidance and leading. You see examples in the scripture. 
People who wanted the direction of the Almighty God, people who wanted what God wants, who wanted to hear the voice of God, they go into a period of fasting to receive guidance and to receive leading. When you want deliverance from the Almighty God and you want protection from the Almighty God, like Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel, when they were confronted with war, the Bible says they declared the fasts. Second Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judea. That's why we fast. To seek deliverance and protection from the Almighty God. Not only that, when you're about to launch into something very, very important, when you're about to launch into a ministry, when you're about to launch into a particular endeavor, it is always a good practice to fast because it allows for effectiveness in life and in ministry. So when you want effectiveness in life, effectiveness in ministry, you subject yourself into fast. Acts chapter 13 verse 2 tells us, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When the Lord Almighty is giving you an assignment, or you are about to enter into a new phase in life, fasting is a good way to be able to get into it so that you can be effective in the process. Number six, why do we fast? We fast so that we can receive the anointing and the empowerment of heaven. Because the Bible makes us to understand that by the arm of the flesh and no man prevail. And Jesus Christ, after he has fasted, after he has prayed, after he has survived the onslaught of hell in the wilderness, in Luke chapter 4 verse 14, the Bible says, And Jesus returned in the power of the spirits into Galilee and went out a fame of him throughout the region all about. In other words, after Jesus fasted, after Jesus prayed, when he got back, life changed. Everything changed for him because the anointing and the empowerment of heaven rested upon him in a new way. And then finally, why do we fast? We fast because there are certain things that will never leave your life. There are certain victory you will never experience. There are certain hold of the enemy that will never break unless you fast and pray. Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 17 verse 21, after the disciples have tried to cast out the demon and they fail, Jesus Christ said that this kind does not go out but by prayer and by fasting. In other words, if you want to set the captives free, if you want to lose the bounds of hell over your life, if you want to break the chains of the enemy that is operational in our life, you need to be able to fast. That's why we fast. That is why we fast. But why is it that fasting enhances prayer? What gives fasting the power that it has? Why is fasting powerful in the life of a believer? The reason is because it weakens your flesh that stands in the way of answered prayer. That's why. If you notice by the time you fast, your flesh is no longer dictating or calling the shots. You are weakening the flesh, but your spirit is enhanced. Number two, why is fasting powerful? Fasting is powerful because it has a way of humbling the spirit. And the Bible tells us that when you humble yourself in the sight of the Almighty God, the Lord lifts you up. That's why fasting is powerful. Because number one, it weakens the flesh. Number two, it humbles the person. Number three, it focuses your attention. Fasting has a way of focusing your attention. Because when the flesh is weakened, the spirit becomes sharp. It focuses your attention. It sensitizes your spirit. The Bible said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. In other words, when my body was enjoying all that he enjoyed, what happened? I could do whatever I wanted to do. And that's why you find out that when people are comfortable, seeking the Lord is very difficult for them. But when they get into some very tight corner, that's all of a sudden, everything that they thought was important becomes unimportant. When you fast, 
It has a way of focusing your attention and then it has a way also of sensitizing your spirits. It makes you to be very sensitive to what the Lord is saying because the distractions have been taken away. The unimportant have been resolved. You are now very, very resolved. You have eliminated the non-essential and now you are focusing on what is essential. That's why it sensitizes your spirit. And in the process, it enhances your prayer. Because now that you are focused, you are now able to pray and pray correctly. The psalmist said, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. When your body is no longer having the fun that it's supposed to have, the Bible says that when you cry to the Lord at that point in time, prayer is enhanced in the period of fasting. And these are some of the reasons why fasting is very powerful in the hand of a believer who uses it. Please understand, there are so many fasts, but there are basically three of them. The first one is what is called the absolute fasts. Absolute fasts. And that is the one that Esther declared in Esther chapter 4 verse 16. The Bible said that Esther sent to reply to Mordecai, Go gather therefore all the Jews who are in Shushan and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days. That's absolute fast. Stay away from food. Stay away from water. Don't eat or don't drink. That's one kind of fast. Number two is what is called the supernatural fast or a commissioned fast. This is the fast that is undertaken for the purpose of embarking on a higher ministry or a divine task. And that's what happened to Moses. The Bible tells in Exodus 34. Exodus 34, reading from verse number 28. It says, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablet the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. He was there. In the presence of the Almighty God, the Lord Almighty was sustaining him for 40 days. We see it in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was also fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. We see it in the life of Elijah. The Bible says that the Lord Almighty sustained him for 40 days. He traveled on just one meal. So there's absolute fast, there's a supernatural fast, and then there is also what is called the Daniel fasts. The Daniel fast in Daniel chapter 10. Reading from verse number 2, the Bible says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three weeks were fulfilled. In other words, Daniel was eating something, eating vegetables or something like, but he wasn't eating full meal. That is what is referred to as Daniel fast. These are the three clear kind of fasts that we see in the scripture. But there are other types of fasting that you can do. There is what is called a congregational fast that involves the whole church. The Bible tells in the book of Joel chapter 2 verse 15, it says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. That is when everybody does it together. That is a congregational fast. There is what is called the national fast when the whole nation goes into a period of fasting. We see that in the book of Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 1. But there is also what is called personal fasts. The one that you declare upon yourself. The one that you call upon yourself because you have an issue that you want to tackle. The question is that when we fast, how do we fast in such a way that we are able to get the correct results? When you fast in a certain way, you don't get the result because that is not actually fasting. What you are doing is just hunger strike. There are some times when we fast and we abstain from food, we are actually not fasting. We are only doing so that we can lose weight or lose body fat. So how do you fast to be able to get the spiritual results that you are looking for? To fast effectively, we must understand that fasting itself is not in on its own. Fasting itself is not what gives you the answer to your prayer. Fasting is just a tool. Fasting is a platform that enhances your prayer, that makes your prayer more powerful. And we have explained it earlier on. So fasting that is effective is a fasting that is rightly motivated. 
the one that is motivated with the right man. The Bible says that moreover when you fast, be not as the hypocrite of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their face, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their rewards. So what is the motivation? Why are you fasting? Are you fasting so that you can boast to the church that yes, I just went through 30 days of fast. I just went through 21 days of fast. If you do that, that means the motivation is wrong. So the fasting that produces results must be rightly motivated. Number two, it must be spirit inspired. Don't just go on fasting for the sake of going to fast. If you want to lose weight, that's another one. But if you want to do spiritual fast, it must be inspired. Joel chapter 2 verse 12 tells us, Therefore also now, said the Lord, Turn ye to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. That is an inspired fast that the Lord called in the days of the prophet Joel. Fasting that produces results must also be focused and specific. Why are you fasting? What issue are you trying to resolve? If there's a particular problem, you say, Lord, this is a problem, and I want to see answers. Daniel did that. When there was a trouble in the kingdom and he needed answer. The Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 9 verse 3. He said, I set my face unto God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth. And the Lord gave him answers. The biblical fast that produced results is the one that is focused. Is the one that is specific to resolve a specific issue in our lives. The fasting that produces results is also a fast that is backed with prayer. If you are fasting and you are not praying, you are doing hunger strike. If you are fasting and you are not praying, you are just doing weight loss exercise. It's not going to produce anything. Your fasting must be backed up with prayer. He said, how be this kind does not go up but by prayer and fasting. Fasting must be backed up with prayer. And not only that, fasting that produces result must be supported with righteous living. You cannot just fast and pray and continue to live the way you are living. A man has another extra concubine somewhere. He just finished fasting three or four days. And then he returns back to the house of the concubine. And he expects his prayer to be answered. And God looks and says, what's wrong with this guy? Eh? <laughs> what do you think you're doing? The fast that produces results is the one that is backed up and supported by righteous living. We've talked about so many things about this fasting. We've talked about the discipline of fasting. We've talked about the power of fasting, the purpose of fasting, and how you can do fasting that will produce results. The question is, why will we not fast? We all know that fasting, there's a blessing. I mean, if your prayer is going to be answered when you fast, why won't you fast? Why in the world will a believer not fast? Let me suggest to you that many don't fast because they are just ignorant of the provision of fasting. And besides, we live in a world where right now it's a crime against humanity for you to allow people to fast. I mean, why should they fast? Hunger is a terrible thing. Don't you know the goal of our world right now is to eradicate hunger and fasting. To impose hunger. Why would you want to do that? So ignorance is one of the reasons why people don't fast. Number two, people don't fast because of simply lack of discipline. And I've joked with this here several times. The day you say, let us fast. Oh my God. That is when everything inside of you will get the memo. Normally, if you don't eat till 12, it doesn't bother you. But the day they say you fast, by 8 o'clock, your system is already going in different directions. Most people don't fast because of lack of discipline. Most people don't fast because of the deception of Satan. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded their eyes so that all the things that God has in store for them, the power that God makes available through fasting, Satan has blinded their eyes. And because Satan wants to continue to keep people in captivity, fasting becomes something that they will not do. But for those who take the time to fast, 
those who engage in the practice of fasting, there are benefits. There is something that you stand to gain when you fast. What are the benefits? Isaiah 58. In Isaiah 58, the Bible outlines the benefits that comes out of fasting. The first benefit you see is the outbreak of revelation. When you fast and you fast the way you are expected to fast, the heavens open. And when the heavens open, the revelations begin to come. For those who have fasted the way the Lord instructed it, the heavens open. That's what Isaiah said in Isaiah 58 verse 8. He said, then shall the light break forth as the morning. Revelation begin to come into your life when you fast. Number two, divine health follows. Then shall your light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily. And then open doors begin to be your portion. When you fast, doors open for you. He said, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. And not only that, there is supernatural protection. And said, the glory of the Almighty God shall be your rare reward. In other words, the Lord Almighty begins to form a shield of protection around you as you fast. Because you have invited Him into your life. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.